All right. Uh, we may be connected. We may not be connected, but I think we're connected. We are going to do Judges chapters 1 and 2 this morning. Typing that into the into the uh, chat line there, fritzbergenbloodandfaith.com. It is, in fact, Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. East Coast time on the 12th of February, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm happy with what we've done over the last two years. It's been two years now since I, I uh, started this. Over two years. And every Sunday morning, I give a little teaching, give a sermon out of the Holy Scripture. So we've done Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I think we did Acts. We did Hebrews. Done a number of the epistles. And we came back and we started Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And this morning we are in Judges. And I'm going to go over here to my recording software and go ahead and get that started. So good morning to you all, fritzbergenbloodandfaith.com. And it's Sunday morning and we're doing Judges this morning. We're starting off Judges. We finished up Joshua. And we did the other five books of Moses, and uh, we're going to do Joshua this morning. Joshua chapter... Now, the theme of Judges. What's the theme of Judges? We've got... Moses had died. Now, I'm a history guy, like right? So I have to go back and give you the, 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 the whole story. God formed a nation in Egypt. He sent Moses down there to bring out the nation of Egypt. It took him 40 years through the wilderness. Moses died before he gets to the promised land. Joshua takes over. He leads the people west across the Jordan into the promised land to conquer the land and subjugate it, drive out the inhabitants, destroy the inhabitants, slaughter the inhabitants, and build a Christian nation there that has borders and lands and culture and language and a common faith. This is how you build a Christian nation. This is the prototype. This is the example that we have. So Joshua goes in there, and he conquers, and he divides up the land. He, he, he sends the people to their, their um, uh, uh, the land for their tribe. So we have not just the nations, but it's also subdivided by kith and kin, by tribe. It's not just one nation mixed together, but each of the tribes... The 12 tribes, or the, or the, 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 the 11 and, and the two half-tribes, have their own land. Geographic separation, separation by bloodline. This is all important. It's all important. People say, I want to build a Christian nation. Well, how about starting with, with the way God started it? And starting it with, with dividing the land up by bloodlines, which didn't even start here in, in, in Joshua. It started back with the Tower of Babel. And I said, oh, we're all one. We all want to be one people. Now, my says, well, that ain't my plan. That's not what I told you to do. I told you to spread out across the face of the earth. I didn't tell you to stay together and be one. I, I, he, it turns out that the Almighty likes diversity more than you and I do. But you don't do that by mixing everybody together and making one big mess. He said, no, separate by a race group, separate by patrilineage, separate by your ancestors. And each racial line, ethnic line, needs its own land. And he enforced that division by giving them different languages. So fast forward back up to Joshua. Joshua dies. He's 110 years old. He passes away. And this is where the story begins. All right, Joshua chapter 1. Now it came about after the death of Joshua that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, Who shall go up first for us to fight against the Canaanites, to fight against them? So they're pursuing the vision. They had to go, they were in the land, and now they had to complete the conquest and drive out the inhabitants, drive out the Canaanites. Remember, this land was originally occupied by the descendants of Canaan. All right, who was, this? Who was Canaan? Canaan was the son of Ham. Who was Ham? He was the son of Noah. Right, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Okay. Ham had some sons. One was Canaan. 
All right, so Canaan's initially settled in this land. God didn't like Canaan. Noah didn't like Canaan. Noah cursed Canaan. Noah told Canaan, you're going to be slaves to the sons of Shem and Japheth. Oh, God can't do that. That's racist. Got to, got to flush those words, man. You got to get rid of those words. Those are not Bible words. Those are not Jesus words. God's not impressed by, by the morality of Satan. So when he brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt, he says, you're going to go, see that land over there occupied by the descendants of Canaan? Go in there and slaughter the descendants of Canaan and drive them out and take that land. I'm giving that land to you. Now all the Canadians are going, oh, but they were the first nations. And God says, I don't care. I don't care. It does not move me. I care not. I careth not. The land belongs to whom, whoever I give it to, says the Lord God Almighty. It belongs to Jesus Christ. All the land on earth belongs to Jesus Christ. And if there's a nation that worships demons and serves demons, who is God not to say, drive them out and slaughter them, and I'll give it to the sons, my sons, my children, who worship Jesus Christ? That's a Christian understanding of how it works. Oh, but that's not fair. Listen, if you're going to accuse Jesus Christ of sins, you're on the wrong side. I'm going to slow down a little bit. I know I get a little excited. I start talking too fast. I'm going to try to slow down because I get excited about this stuff. When men come out and they say you're racist and sexist and homophobic and transphobic and queerphobic and intolerant and divisive and anti-Semitic, <laughs> these are not accusations against you. Ultimately, they're accusations against Jesus Christ. That's why I warn the church against these things. Do not say you're racist. Do not say you're sexist. Do not say you're homophobic. Do not say you're anti-Semitic. Because they're all ultimately accusations against not just the people of Jesus Christ, but against Jesus Christ himself. And we, we will go through the scriptures where Jesus Christ talks about well, he says things that are highly anti-Semitic, according to those that call themselves Jews. According to those that call themselves Jews, Jesus Christ is highly anti-Semitic. And you have a certain section of Christians who are apologists for those that call themselves Jews. Deny what Jesus Christ said. But again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Excuse me, got a little sneeze there. The point is this. Your morality and my morality needs to line up with the morality of Jesus Christ. I don't mean Jesus Christ 2.0. I mean the totality of his character as we see in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and now in Judges, as well as in the Gospels and in the Revelation. And it's all consistent it's not a difference. Jesus Christ didn't change from Genesis to, to Matthew. He did not change. He never changed. His character and identity and personality did not change. And I remind you again, Jesus Christ didn't suddenly appear 2,000 years ago and then disappear and, and gone off into heaven. He's the eternal one. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the very God who led them up out of the land of Egypt and spoke with Adam and Eve and spoke to Moses. He's never gone away. He was there throughout the whole time of, of the patriarchs. And we've proven that to you in the scriptures many times, and we'll do it again this morning. Joshua chapter, or excuse me, Judges chapter 1. Now it came about after the death of Joshua that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, Who will go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? Now, at the beginning of this book, the only question is, the question wasn't, should we fight against them? It was, who, who should go first? <laughs> and you'll see by the end of uh, the first two chapters this morning, it, it it's no longer a question of who shall go first, first but it's like, are they even going to go fight the Canaanites at all? It's helpful to understand this. So right here at the beginning, who goes first? Two chapters later, uh, nobody goes. Nobody even goes out to fight. 
So the Lord said, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Judah shall go up, and we're going to prove this here this morning, that this is Jesus Christ telling them these things. Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given him the land. So Judah goes and talks to his brother Simeon. Now, Judah and Simeon as individuals have passed away, but the, the, the clans, the tribes, one tribe goes talk to the, the tribe of Judah goes and try and talks to the tribe of Simeon. He said, let's go up together. You help me take my land, I'll help you take yours. That's fantastic. Alliances amongst brethren against a common foe, a common enemy. Imagine that. If you had European alliances between the Germans and the French to drive out the Mongols, between the French and the Portuguese and the Spaniards to drive out, drive out the Muslims and the Africans, which we saw in the reconquest of Iberia. 700 to 1492. And the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hands. And there's this one specific Canaanite out there. His name is Adonai Bezek, which means the Lord of Bezek. And so he, he was a king, and he fled. The soldiers captured him. Judah captures him, and they cut off his thumbs, and they cut off his toes. Isn't that something? And Adai Bezek said, man, he says, I've got had 70 kings that fed under scraps from my table, and they all had their, their toes and their thumbs cut off. And I thought it was really funny, and now it's happened to me. And this guy ends up dying, which is good. Judges chapter 1, verse 8, Then the sons of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. Now we're going to see later on that the Benjamites are trying to get Judah and they couldn't, or, or Jerusalem, and they had troubles with this. But at the beginning, Judah goes and they attack, attack Jerusalem. So remember, Jerusalem originally was not built by the sons of Judah or the sons of Israel. This was occupied by Canaanites, pagan peoples, Antichrist peoples. And they captured it and they struck it with the edge of the sword and they set the city on fire. They were doing what God commanded them to do. Now, I don't know what all the Christian pacifists do with this, but I can assure you Jesus Christ was at the helm in directing this and leading this. People say, well, why, why aren't we doing that today? Well, the answer is we don't even understand that that's a possibility. We don't even understand that that's the way it ought to be or the way it could be. We don't even understand that we're supposed to build nations loyal to Jesus Christ like God commanded Moses and Joshua to do. We don't understand that anymore in the church. So my little role that I have in, 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 the, in the great scheme of things is to try to stir up Christians to understanding what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be build, building Christian nations just like Moses, just like Joshua, just like you see in the book of Judges. And we're going to go through this in the next few weeks. Church doesn't understand this. Church thinks we're supposed to be uh, atomized individuals, at best a local congregation that exists in a multicultural and diverse society. And you're going to see in the book of Judges that God hates that. He hated that. What do you mean multicultural and diverse? God hated that. And we will see that this morning by the end of chapter 2. What do you mean multicultural and diverse? You mean to submit to the, the children of Satan? As far as Jesus Christ is concerned, that's what that means. And you have many segments of the Christian church capitulating to the seed of the serpent to the brood of vipers, saying, we can all just get along, and we're going to see that this morning, first and second judges. After that, Judah goes down into the lowlands, and they fight against the Canaanites there, and then they fight in the, against the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. Judges 1, verse 21. Benjamin, 
It's interesting. Benjamin's a different tribe. Remember, there's, there's 12 tribes, but one of them's composed of two half-tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Why? Because they're the sons of Joseph. There's no tribe of Joseph. Interesting, right? Didn't Israel have 12 sons and one of them was Joseph? Yes. Well, what happened to Joseph? Well, Jacob, renamed Israel, comes along and he says, Joseph, I'm going to take your two sons directly to be my sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And so we see, instead of a tribe of Joseph, we see a tribe of Manasseh and Ephraim. And in, in, in uh, Judges here, we're going to see reference to the tribe of Joseph, but it's, it's referring more specifically to Manasseh and Ephraim. Why did Joshua do this? Excuse me, why did uh, uh, Israel do that? I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into this morning. I, I don't know. I, I know there's a reason. And that always it, it, um, makes me intrigued because I know there's more mysteries to find out. I love it when I, I see things in the Bible that I don't understand. I love it because I know there's something deeper waiting for me to learn and listen to and understand. Judges 1 verse 21. Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived with the sons of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. Now this is interesting. This is interesting. These people stayed there, and they lived together. Hmm, hmm. Keep that in mind as we go forward. Verse 22. The household of Joseph, again, like I said, the household of Joseph, which is Ephraim and Manasseh, they went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. They found a spy, and the spy told them the way to get into the city. And they struck the city with the edge of the sword. Isn't that divisive? Isn't that intolerant? Yes. Yes, it is. Tolerance is not a Christian virtue. As the way tolerance is, is used in the world today is, is we're tolerant of the Antichrist, intolerant of evil, intolerant of sin. And, and you've got this thing going on. We, we have no tolerance for intolerance. <laughs> and there's no tolerance for, for godly Christian virtues anymore. And the Christians think they're being Christian by being tolerant of, in, of intolerance, being tolerant of, of the ideas of the Antichrist. It's all mixed up. What's the solution to that? The Holy Scriptures. That's why I go through the Holy Scriptures. That's the only answer. It's not conservative ideology. It's not conservative ideas. It's not traditional whatever. It's the Holy Scriptures. It's the Holy Scriptures. Judges one twenty seven, But Manasseh did not take possession of Bethshir and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Iblium, nor Medigo. So the Canaanites pers persisted in living in the land. Manasseh put them under forced labor, but they did not drive them out. What were they supposed to do? Utterly annihilate them. Utterly drive them out and annihilate them. And this is a big thing to learn here as we're struggling with what we're going to do in 2023. There's no peaceful coexistence. You got these bumper stickers, coexist. What happens in, in this coexistence phase? The sons of God end up serving the sons of the devil every day single time every single time and we got the sons of the devil out there these people worshiping Moloch and Baal and Ashtoreth and when the sons of God don't utterly annihilate them and drive them out what happens the sons of God serve the sons of the devil and they end up worshiping the devil every single time the whole idea, the whole conceit of a multicultural and diverse society is anti-Christ. It's anti-Christ. It goes against what God did at Babel. It goes against what God did with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It goes against what God was doing in the land of Canaan. Well, that's not very tolerant and diverse. Those are not Christian virtues. Those are not the virtues of Jesus Christ when you put it in that terms. You want tolerance? I don't know what to tell, tell you. How do you know what I'm saying is right? 
here's the Holy Scriptures. And, and I'm not, you know, as, as we've gone through this over the last two years, I have not given you, you know, here is a little line, let's build a worldview based on, you know, uh, two, two scriptures or two, uh, two words or two little verses. It's a global, total view as you march through the scriptures from Genesis through the Revelation. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of Satan. There's, there's Jesus Christ and there's the Antichrist. There's the seed of the serpent and there's the seed of the woman. There's the brood of vipers and those baptized in Jesus Christ. There's no get there's light and there's darkness. From the very beginning, there's light and there's darkness. There's the earth and the dry land. There's borders, there's boundaries, there's divisions. Satan would eliminate every single one of them. And God said, No, I'm the one, I'm the God of borders, boundaries, and divisions. The Almighty God is the God of borders, boundaries, and divisions. Satan is the transgressor of borders, boundaries, and divisions. Satan is the one who wants to mix mankind and the fallen angels, mix mankind with beasts, mix all the nations together. God says, no, that's not me. That's not my plan. That's not what I did. From the very beginning, he said, kind shall, shall reproduce after their own kinds. You don't mix the different kinds. He's the one that spread mankind out. It gave them their own times and borders and boundaries. Acts 17, 26. It's the Almighty that did that, not mankind. Satan and his seed, the brood of vipers, which Jesus called them the brood of vipers in the Gospels. Go back to Genesis 3. It was the seed of the serpent. A brood of vipers is the seed of the serpent. It's the same thing. But Manasseh did not take possession, so they put them to forced labor. Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites in Giza, so the Canaanites lived in Giza among them. Zebulun did not drive out the Canaanites. And now we're getting into trouble. Because we're, at the beginning, it was like, who goes first? And now it's like, they're not driving these people out. Why? Maybe they got a, an attack of the uh, uh, an attack of tolerance. Maybe they got attack of, of multiculturalism. Maybe they got attack of an, an attack of diversity. Oh, we should be diverse and multicultural and tolerant and disobedient to what Jesus Christ told them. So it begins listing these tribes, the different kith and kin that refused for whatever reasons to drive out the Canaanites. Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Ephraim, Benjamin, Dan. Judah and Simeon initially seemed to be doing rather well. And remember, Reuben and Gad and, and, and a portion of Manasseh, they were over on the eastern side of the Jordan in that other land. And they had thoroughly driven those people out, thoroughly driven them out. All right, so that's all in one chapter. And, and, and the rest of Judges is going to flesh this out as we see the different Judges. And, and chapter 2 sort of frames the rest of the book of Judges. So as we notice that these tribes do not drive out the enemy, oh, but they're just trying to be one. They're, just, they're trying to be a diverse and multicultural society. They're trying to be tolerant of the different peoples and different ethnicities and different races. They should all be one. As Satan whispers into the ear of the church and the Europeans. You want to know why I'm after the Europeans? Because their forefathers worshipped Jesus Christ. I'm loyal to my brethren, my, my brethren the Europeans, because our ancestors worshipped Jesus Christ. And when we die, we're going to go and be gathered to our fathers. We do not want to go to our fathers. 
and have them look at us and say, what in the heck were you thinking? This diversity and tolerance stuff. And you utterly destroyed the nations of Europe because you refused to drive out the Canaanites. You refused, you, you brought them in. You welcomed them in, them in with their gods. And they're doing exactly what God said they would do. They will take your daughters for wives, and you're going to take their daughters for wives for your sons, and you're going to end up worshiping their gods. Has that not happened in Europe? As you've brought in the, 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 the African and the Muslim and welcomed uh, and a very specific Antichrist people that, that are the enemies of all mankind? Well, we need to be tolerant and diverse. Says who? Says who? All that tolerance and diversity, all that is is a lever, a lever to get you to move away from loyalty to Jesus Christ and His Holy Scriptures. All that is is a lever to move you away from Jesus Christ and the Holy Scriptures. That's all that is. Oh, we need to be tolerant and, and diverse. That's a lever to move you away from Jesus Christ and the Holy Scriptures. And eventually, when they get power, boom, the hammer comes down, as it has today already in North America, United States, and Europe, and saying, oh, you can't say this and you can't say that. You can't speak against their gods. You can't speak against their race. You can't speak against Satan because they worship Satan. Of course, they don't say they do, but they do. But to acknowledge that is against the law too. Oh, that's anti-Semitic. That's Islamophobic. That's homophobic. Homosexuality is evil. It's evil. It's a transgression of the boundaries that God set down in the first chapter of Genesis. I don't need to go to an obscure uh, verse in Leviticus. God said, hey, there's male and there's female. Period. Stop. There's not 15 genders. The male goes with the female. The female goes with the male, and they reproduce and multiply. The number one command of God is to reproduce and multiply. Homosexuality truncates that. It ends that. It brings a curse, and it's a, a cult of death. It's an act of worship of Satan. Well, I just can't believe you say that. That's rather homophobic, Fritz. I'm, listen, if I'm not preaching the, the, what the Holy Scriptures say, just tell me and show me how I'm not. But if I'm preaching what the Holy Scriptures say, then maybe the churches ought to pay attention. Imagine if this came out of the, the, the mouths of the pastors every Sunday morning. Judges chapter 2. Okay, Jesus Christ shows up. Now Jesus Christ is mad. All right? So the sons of Israel... They're in the promised land. They start off really well, but then they said, eh. For whatever reason, whether it's too hard or too dangerous or too risky, or they got a, the case of the multiculturalisms, bad case of multiculturalism, and they stopped driving these people out. Maybe somebody come along and say, oh, we, got, we have a, need a diverse and multicultural society. Those people are liars. They're false prophets. They are today, too. They're, they're as false prophets today as they were back in the time of the judges. So Jesus Christ shows up. Judges chapter 2, verse 1. Now, the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum. Some people are saying, wait a minute, that's not a Jesus Christ. That's an angel of the Lord. I, I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm so glad you pointed that out. Now, the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum. Okay, Gilgal is where... Joshua basically had set up his headquarters. It was just to the east of Jericho. You remember what happened to Jericho. They utterly put that city to the knife, killed every man, woman, and child in Jericho. Joshua set up his headquarters there at Gilgal. So here the angel of the Lord is coming up from Gilgal to Bochum. Now Bochum, later on we're going to find out, that's, that, that it means weeping. Okay, He comes up to where these folks are. And he said to them, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. Well, who swore to their fathers that they would give them this land? It was the Lord that did, not some angel. It was the Lord Jesus Christ that swore to Abraham to give him that land. It goes on. 
And here's the angel of the Lord speaking. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Well, who had a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the children of Israel? It wasn't an angel. It was the Lord God Almighty. So when it says here in Judges 2 verse 1, the angel of the Lord, it's referring to Jesus Christ. They did not know his name as Jesus Christ at that time. But this was the Lord God, the Almighty, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the one that brought you up out of Egypt. I'm the one that swore to your fathers to give them this land. I'm the one who said, I will never break my covenant with you. And he goes on, verse 2, And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. Who's the me? You think it's some angel? It's the Lord God Almighty. It's Jesus Christ. What is this that you have done? says Jesus Christ to the children of Israel. This is a serious thing. And they wept, and they wept, and they wept. Verse 3, Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you now, though they will become to you as thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a snare to you. Let that be a warning today to the Europeans and the North Americans, and the Canadians, and the Australians, and the Kiwis, and all the Christian European peoples upon the face of the earth. Oh, you can't say that just white people are Christians. I know that. Nor I'm going to apologize for the fact that it's the European man that accepted Jesus Christ as their monarch. That's why Europe was called Christendom. It was the European men who brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world, to the rest of the world, to Africa, to China, to the Americas. It was the European men brought the gospel to the rest of the world. So if I'm loyal to my ancestors, if I'm loyal to my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and that extends to all the children of, of, of Christendom, all the children of Europe, and if you want to know where the hatred towards white people come, this is the answer. It's not because we're the majority. It's because we're the legacy of Jesus Christ. It's an antichrist spirit that hates white people. No, I'm not going to apologize for this. No, I'm not going to stop saying this. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to bend the knee because you're saying I'm uh, Christocentric or Eurocentric. I don't care if you call me a white this or a white that. I'm loyal to my God, Jesus Christ. I'm loyal to my brethren. No apologies. Now, here's another reason, just as we're going through this. The church of Jesus Christ has to lead this. Look, it's going to cost, it's going to cost a lot to reconquer Europe for Jesus Christ and North America and Australia. It's going to cost something. Lives fortunes, and sacred honor. Now, if you're an atheist, I mean, the Bible says it itself. Look, if there is no resurrection, let's eat and, and drink for tomorrow we die. Nobody's going to do this. Nobody's going to man up and do this. Nobody's going to sacrifice this life for something that they'll never see, except for a man who believes in the resurrection from the dead and life everlasting and an eternal judgment and the fact that when we die, we're going to go with, to be with our fathers. I don't die when, when this mortal coil loses its spark and I am buried in the ground. I will live forever. And my hope and, and yearning is that I live forever with my ancestors in Jesus Christ in eternity. And that the reward I have in eternity is based on what I do in this life. So if I sacrifice and give in this life for the betterment of my brethren, my European brethren, I'm good with that. And this is why I, 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 it, it, it's going to be the church that leads this charge. Because if we believe in our hearts and know that what we do in this life matters for all eternity. We have great courage to face the enemy. We have great courage to face the onslaught of hell. 
And we say, it doesn't matter what they do to me. It doesn't matter. We're, we're going to love our brethren. We're going to love our God. And we're not going to love our lives even unto death. And we're going to fight the sons of Satan. We're going to fight the brood of vipers. We're going to speak the truth, even if it costs us everything. Because we see the reward. We see the judgment day. We see our ancestors calling to us. Come on, European men. Return to the God of your ancestors. And when you go to the grave, may your fathers stand up and applaud. May they be proud of you. As you've defended your people, you've defended your brothers, you've defended your sisters. And so we're going to go back to the God of our ancestors. The God whose cross is emblazoned upon our banners, upon our flags of Sweden and Norway and England and Scotland and Wales and even Russia and the Spanish Christians that spent seven centuries driving the African and the Muslim out of Europe. In Greece with the Christian flag on it. And all the early Christians, all the, all, the, the, all the seven churches of the Revelation were Greek and Roman colonies. Is there a special call to Europeans? Absolutely. Can people that aren't European get saved? Absolutely, yes. But I'm telling you something. If you're European, you need to heed the call of your ancestors and heed the call of Jesus Christ who sets you free from the brood of vipers from the seed of the serpent, him, those who hate and have rejected Jesus Christ. Don't worry about them calling you racist, sexist, homophobic, and anti-Semitic. Be proud if they do that. Be proud of that. When the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus Christ, spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. So they named the place Bochum. And there they sacrifice to the Lord. Weeping is a sign of regret. And as you go up into the Gospels, you talk, you, you, we, we see people that die and they go to hell, and, and there's a weeping and there's a gnashing of teeth. There's two things. And they're quite the opposite. Weeping is regret. Gnashing of teeth is a hatred and anger and a bitterness and an unrepentance. We don't see that here. As you go back and you, and you read through the Gospels and, and, and you see there's you, people go to the dark place, they go to hell, and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping is, yeah, they, they regret because they screwed up and they did wrong. But the gnashing of the teeth is an unrepentance and it's a hatred. How do I know that? Go read the story of, of Stephen. When the Talmud followers, they, they, they heard what Stephen said and they gnashed their teeth at him and stoned him to death. They murdered him. They had a hatred in their heart. The enmity that comes out of Genesis 3.15 was on display in Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8. An enmity, a hatred unto death. And they gnashed their teeth and they murdered Stephen. You can't get along with the seed of the serpent. You cannot. Ever, 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 ever. Don't you dare go out there and call them your brothers, those who reject Jesus Christ. Don't you dare do that. Why would you be friends with the world and make yourself at enmity with Jesus Christ? Verse 6. Now here's a little bit of a summary here. When Joshua had dismissed the people of the sons of Israel, when Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel went each to his inheritance to possess the land. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he, we, which he had done for Israel. Joshua dies at 110. Judges 2 verse 10. All the generation also were gathered to their fathers. Please listen to this. You will be gathered to your fathers, and you will face your fathers. You will face your ancestors, and they will say, How'd it go down there? Did you honor me? Did you obey the fifth commandment? Did you honor your ancestors? Because you're going to be gathered to your fathers. Did you honor your ancestors? 
Did you fight for their blood? Did you fight for what they fought for? Did you fight for their descendants? Or did you embrace the God of multiculturalism and the God of diversity and marry off your sons and daughters to, to the, the pagan peoples and cause them to worship other gods? You're going to account for this. I'm going to account for this when we're gathered to our fathers. Oh, I wish this was preached from the pulpit. Oh my God, I wish this was preached from the pulpit. Let the Karens scream. Let the little Karens come out and scream. You're racist and anti-Semitic. Oh, please let them scream. Let them howl. And then drive them out. Drive them out. It, 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 the church does everything it can to cater to the Karens of the world, to cater to the bird of vipers, thinking that they're going to get a congregation. And they do. They get these huge churches. But it ain't right. It ain't right. It's not right at all. Go say the words that Jesus Christ said. Go speak what Jesus Christ said. All that generation were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which He had done for Israel. So this is the foundation of what happens after the conquest. Chapter 3, verse 11. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And this is why I pray for the Europeans, from Greece to Russia to Iceland to Portugal and everybody in between. They forsook the God of their fathers. And I pray for my brethren who forsook the God of their fathers. Oh, man, my heart goes to my, my brethren. Because they forsook the God of their fathers, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt and from, who followed the other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. And they bowed themselves down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord, and they served Baal and Ashtoreth. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of the plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. We bow down and worship to this false god of multiculturalism and diversity. We need Christian nations. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had spoken, so they were severely. Can't read my own writing here. God gave them the Ten Commandments. He says, this is your law. Commandment number one, I'm the Lord thy God who brought you up out of the land of, of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That God is Jesus Christ. That God is Jesus Christ. Anytime you have a society that says Jesus Christ is the same as Buddha, same as Muhammad, same as the Talmud, you've disobeyed the first commandment of God. And God says, listen, you do that, you're going to be enslaved by these people. And that's where we are in America today, in Europe today. There's no, there's no third path. There's no neutral third path where we're all Swedes or we're all Americans. No, there's the seed, no, there's the seed of the serpent and there's the seed of the woman. And you're going to side, you're going to side with one or you're going to side with the other. You're going to serve the Baals and the Astros or you're going to serve Jesus Christ. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. My family's going to serve Jesus Christ. I will bind myself together with my brethren to serve Jesus Christ and build Christian nations. The natural order of human society is based on bloodlines. It goes right back to the first chapter of Genesis, the bloodline of, of, of Adam and Eve, and then the bloodline of Cain, who was of the evil one. Cain was of the evil one. And the bloodline of Seth... And then there's, there's a division there. There's a bloodline of Noah... The bloodline of, of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It's blood. 
Oh, no, it's not. And, and that seed of the Satan sets up false nationalities and false identities and false loyalties. They all end up worshiping Satan. I will not have that. I will not bow the knee to that, to some sort of universal brotherhood of mankind. There is no universal brotherhood of mankind. There's the seed of the woman, and there's the seed of the serpent. goes back to the beginning. Christian, if you don't understand this, you will be enslaved by the seed of the serpent, by the brood of vipers, by the gods of the nations. And you'll marry off your sons to their daughters, and you'll take their daughters for wives for your sons. Is this exclusive? Yes. Yes, it is. Is this intolerant? Yes. Yes, it is. Am I going to apologize? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'll never apologize for the Holy Scriptures. I will never apologize for what Jesus Christ said. And if it offends people, I'll be with Jesus Christ every day. It was Jesus Christ Himself who said, Blessed is the man that's not offended by me. Jesus Christ is very offensive to the world. And yet there's a movement in the evangelical church to make him inoffensive to Satan. Let's remarket Jesus Christ. Let's rebrand him. Let's make him, oh, I don't know, what should we say? He gets us. And you go back and you read what Jesus Christ said. And you read what the Holy Scriptures say. And you go, oh my God, I can't believe he said this. Yes, I know. How come you haven't heard that ringing from the pulpits? How come that hasn't been blistering off the ceilings of your church, singeing the ears of the Karens out there? Oh, God, let it come again. Oh, God, let it come again. The Word of God. And let it offend the Karens. Let it offend the seed of the serpent. Let it offend the multiculturalist, the diversity worshipers. The Lord raised up judges, and yet these people did not listen, and they played the harlot. In other words, you've got to pay attention to all throughout the Scriptures, the harlot, the whore, the harlot. It goes from, from uh, Exodus on, the harlot. All through the prophets, right up to the Revelation, the harlot. They played the harlot with other gods, and they bowed down to them. And this is why Jesus Christ warns us in Revelation 18, verse 4, Church, come out of the harlot, man. Don't play the harlot. I don't care how many times there's this danger of playing the harlot. When the Lord raised up judges, the Lord was with the judge and he delivered them from the hand of their enemies. All the days of the judge, for the Lord was moved with pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. Does the church want liberty today? Or would the church rather live at peace with the Canaanites? That's an issue that we face as European men. Do we want to live with the Canaanites? Would we rather have peace with the Canaanites? Or would we rather have the honor of serving our God? Are we willing to go to war and go to battle against the brood of vipers? Or do we, would we rather have friendship with the world. That's the issue today for the church. And I wish we spent more time talking about it. I, I guess that's what I talk about. But it came about when the judge died that they would turn back and act more corruptly than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not abandon their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. Now, note here. It didn't say the anger of the Lord burned against Tommy and Susie and Sally and Fred and Stan because they were smoking cigarettes. I want you to get the distinction here. He saw them as a race. He saw them as a people. He saw them as a corporate unitary identity. And he blessed them together or he cursed them together. That's been lost by the church, the idea of a Christian bloodline, a Christian nation. But it's right in the Holy Scriptures. It's solid in the Holy Scriptures from Genesis through the end. Even at the end, even Jesus Christ says, I will judge entire nations 
not just individuals, nations. Well, I don't know how he does that. And he says he'll judge cities. O Capernaum, don't think you're special just because I'm living here with you. It'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than it will be for you. It's not okay to say, well, it's not my problem. I'm just me. No, it's not okay. We're bound to our blood. We're bound to our fathers. We need to understand ourselves as a race, not just as individuals. And what Satan has done is he's so atomized human society. It's not enough to atomize people as individuals. Now he says he's, he's, he's atomizing the individuals. Not enough to atomize a, a nation or a race, but now he's atomizing individuals. So he tells Americans, well, you're not descendants of, 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 of European and Christian men. No, you're, you're just everybody from, from Somalia to God knows where, to Vietnam and, and all the different religions. That's Antichrist. But now he's going to the individuals and said, hey, it, no, you're not just, you know, stand a man. You're neither male nor female. You're neither male nor female. And if you're one, we're going to cut you up and make you something else. You're not even a, you're, you're nothing. You're, you're not a race. And if you're white, you got to dis, disown your own race. This all comes out of the pit of hell. It's all demonic. The hatred towards white people is from the seed of the serpent, the brood of vipers. It's from the synagogue of Satan. Why? Because we hold within our racial soul the heritage of Jesus Christ. That's why. Right at, from the resurrection on, the gospel goes to Europe. From the resurrection on, the gospel of Jesus Christ goes to the And the Europeans took hold of it. And they bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 folds. And they, in turn took the gospel of Jesus Christ to Asia, Africa, and the Americas. What I'm telling you is the truth. Because this nation, again, nation, transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not listened to my voice, in order to test Israel by them, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk in it as their fathers did, or did not. We have a, 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 we're facing the same choice in this generation. Every generation now faces that choice. Are you going to serve the Almighty God? Or is it easier for you to make friends with the world? This is tough. This is a hard choice. You're going to be loyal to the command of Jesus Christ to build exclusive Christian nations? based upon the Holy Scripture and loyalty to Jesus Christ? Or would you rather be friends with the seed of the serpent? Would you rather be friends with the world? Would you rather be at enmity with God and have friends with the world? That's a theme from Genesis 3.15 to James 4.4, 4, all the way up through Revelation 18, verse 4. Christian nations. Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com.